Good morning, everybody. Glad to have you guys here with us this morning. A uh, couple of announcements. announcements. Uh, <clears throat> the marriage seminar we're going to be having September 12th, uh, and that's going to be right here at the church from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. with a dinner served afterwards. Uh, and we're just going to be doing some encouragement uh, to married couples. Uh, you don't have to be married either um, if you're thinking that maybe someday you might want to get married, right? Uh, you can also come to the, to the marriage seminar. Uh, again, September 12th, right here at the church from 1 to 5. Uh, it's going to be a great time of encouragement uh, for us as married couples. And I think hopefully, Lord willing, we're all going to get some great perspective. Perspective, Right? That's something that everybody can use in this day and age. And you can use it in general, but in this day and age that we're living in and the times we're living in, perspective is a great thing to have. Uh, and it's great for married couples to, to have that together. Uh, September 24th, uh, there's going to be a New Hope banquet. For those of you who don't know what New Hope is, um, they're located over on James Street in, in, uh, in Eastwood. And they provide services for uh, young single moms uh, who are confused, who don't know what to do, uh, and it's, a, it's an alternative from Planned Parenthood. And what they do is they encourage these young women to have their babies, and then they make sure that the babies are placed um, with good homes, good, in good Christian homes. So it's a wonderful ministry. Um, it's a worthwhile ministry. Uh, by the way, we have baby bottles out there on, on the shelves. Um, wives, you can get them for your husbands or... Uh, you, can, you can put them in your house, in your kitchen, and throw your loose change in there. And then when you fill them up, bring them on in, and all that's going to go to New Hope. And then you can, you can get a new fresh bottle. But uh, the 24th, that, is, that evening at the gathering place uh, in North Syracuse, that's where there's going to be a banquet for New Hope. And Ben Watson, who is a professional football player, is going to be speaking as well. Uh, open your Bibles, if you would, with me to the book of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Uh, chapter 36, which is the last chapter in the book, so it should be easy enough to find. Next week, we're going to be starting Deuteronomy, which means second law. So <clears throat> I know you guys loved going through the law so much the first time. We'll go through it again, right? Uh, you can never exhaust the Word of God. You know that? You can go through the same book again and again and again and again and again, and there is so much that you pull out of it every single time. So we'll see what the Lord has in store for us next week in Deuteronomy. But Numbers chapter 36, we're going to try to cover the whole chapter, but let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, Father, just humbly we ask and pray that our hearts would be uh, properly bowed for you before you this morning, Lord God, and that we would be seeking to hear from you. I couldn't possibly know what these people, each of them, what they need from you, Lord, but you know every single part of them, Lord. You know everything about them. You know every aspect of their lives. You know what they think, Father. You know how they feel. Uh, and we pray, Father God, that you, by your Holy Spirit, that you would speak into their hearts and you would speak into their lives today, Father, and you would bring them encouragement, that you would bring all of us exhortation, Father, and we would be encouraged to follow hard after you, Father, that this faith of ours would not just be a Sunday thing, uh, a holiday thing, but it would be who we are as human beings, that you would follow us and that you would be a part of us in every decision that we make and in every place that we go, Lord. Uh, we would seek to be in your presence, Lord, and allow you to work through us 
uh, in this world, Father. So we pray that you would bless the teaching of your word. We pray that you would be glorified and magnified and lifted up in this place today. In Jesus' name, and all the saints said, amen. Okay, Numbers chapter 36, we're going to read through it real quick, and then we'll talk about it. Now the chief fathers of the families of the children of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, of the families of the sons of Joseph, came near and spoke before Moses and before the leaders, the chief fathers of the children of Israel. And they said, the Lord commanded my Lord Moses to give the land as an inheritance by lot to the children of Israel. And my Lord was commanded by the Lord to give the inheritance of our brother Zelophad to his daughters. Now, if they are married to any of the sons of the other tribes of the children of Israel, then their inheritance will be taken from the inheritance of our fathers, and it will be added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they marry. So it will be taken from the lot of our inheritance." And when the jubilee of the children of Israel comes, then their inheritance will be added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they marry. So their inheritance will be taken away from the inheritance of the tribe of our fathers. Then Moses commanded the children of Israel according to the word of the Lord, saying, What the tribe of the sons of Joseph speaks is right. This is what the Lord commands concerning the daughters of Zelophehad saying, let them marry whom they think best, but they may marry only within the family of their father's tribe. So the inheritance of the children of Israel shall not change hands from tribe to tribe, for every one of the children of Israel shall keep the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. And every daughter who possesses an inheritance in any tribe of the children of Israel shall be the wife of one of the family of her father's tribe." so that the children of Israel may each possess the inheritance of his fathers. Thus, no inheritance shall change hands from one tribe to another, but every tribe of the children of Israel shall keep its own inheritance. Just as the Lord commanded Moses, so did the daughters of Zelophehad. For Mahlah, Tirzah, Hoglah, Milcah, and Noah... The daughters of Zelophehad were married to the sons of their father's brothers. They were married into the families of the children of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained in the tribe of their father's family. These are the commandments and the judgments which the Lord commanded the children of Israel by the hand of Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Isn't that easy? So I want to break it down and, and give you the kind of the common sense, uh, uh, earthly meaning of all of these things, exactly what's happening, exactly what's going on, uh, and then we'll talk about what God might be trying to show us through this. First of all, um, I like to continually give you guys kind of an outline form of the Bible. If, if you have an, an outline understanding, a framework of the entirety of scriptures, it's going to help you understand the scriptures that much more. Uh, if you understand the framework of Scripture all the way from Genesis, from the creation to the time of Jesus Christ and into the church and throughout the Old Testament, then you can fill in the blanks and it makes everything make a lot more sense. So you understand and you know that Abraham, we go over this almost every week, was called by God and he is the father both of the nation of Israel physically 
And spiritually, we are taught in the New Testament that he is the father of all those who believe. Because it says in Genesis that Abraham believed God when God told him, Abraham, I'm going to take you to a place that you know not, and there I'm going to give you a land, and there I'm going to make of you a great nation, so that if you could number the sand of the seashore, so you could be able to number your inheritance. He also told him, I'm going to make your inheritance like the stars in the heavens, so that if you were able to number the stars in the heavens, you could number your descendants. And so we understand through this saying that Abraham is both the father of the physical earthly nation of Israel in whom God had promised so many things, as we talked about last week, that stand forever, but spiritually he is also the father of those who believe. Because we're taught in Scripture that Abraham was not justified by the works of the law. It hadn't been given yet. There were no Ten Commandments when Abraham was walking around. Nor was he justified by the act of circumcision. But rather, the Scripture teaches us that Abraham believed God, and that's what gave him a relationship with God. That faith, that belief in what God had said, and what God had said he believed it to be true. And circumcision which would later become a part of the law, what we call the law of Moses, was the seal, was the sign of that faith. Does that make sense a little bit? So the law, the circumcision, the act of circumcision is the seal on the relationship that a person has with God based on belief, based on faith. Now, the reason that the law was given and the reason that the, 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 um, the sacrificial system was put into place was that there had to be an answer for sin. No one can have a relationship with God because we are sinners. God is a holy, pure, righteous, and just God, and he cannot be in the presence of sin, or rather, sin cannot be in his presence. As he said to Moses, no man can see my face and live. It's not because he doesn't like people, he loves people, but because we as human beings are sinners, all of us. All of us, everyone, the Bible says, has fallen short of the glory of God. We have all turned astray. Each of us has gone to his own way. And then the scripture says, but the Lord has laid upon him, that is Jesus Christ, the iniquities of us all. And so you have the seal of that relationship, circumcision and the law of God, and the sacrificial system was given to the children of Israel so that sin might be atoned for. Now, this atonement was temporary because as soon as you went out from the temple and sinned again, guess what? You got to offer another sacrifice. And you know what something I've learned about people? And you probably have too. They love to sin, right? We love to sin. I mean, we can, we can deceive ourselves. We can act as though I just want to be holy all the time. But the fact of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, is sometimes I just want to do it Frank's way. I just want to do whatever Frankie wants to do. And I don't want to be told what I can and cannot do, even though I know it's God's holy word, even though I know that ultimately it's for my betterment, even though I know ultimately it's going to re reap, reap a reward of righteousness and good things down the line, Frankie wants what Frankie wants, and Frankie wants it now. All right? We are all sinners. And so the sacrifices of sheep and goats and turtle doves and oxen had to be offered again and again and again and over and over. And we've gone through this. The sacrificial system was a bloodbath. 
God stresses over and over and over again in the Old Testament the, vi- the, the, the vital nature, the importance, the utmost importance of the blood. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says, there can be no remission for sins. And all of that was set up and all of that was put into place so that when Jesus Christ finally came in the fullness of time and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, we could get it. We could understand And know, as the scripture says, that the blood of sheep and oxen and goats could never really atone for the sin of a human being, but the blood of the Son of God can atone for all of your sins and all of my sins for all time. Amen? It is a beautiful story. It is a, it is an, is it a fantastic story because our God is like unlike any other God in that we don't have to go looking and seeking for him, but he came and found us where we were at. While we were yet sinners, the scripture says, Christ died for us. God reaches down into the world and he redeems us to himself. Why? Because he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. We got two jobs, three jobs. To receive that truth, to ask Jesus into our heart, to receive that free gift. Then secondly, to worship our our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength all the days of our lives to continually seek after him that we might know him more and that we might experience the power of his love and his grace and his mercy in us. And thirdly, that we would shine that outward to a world that desperately needs it. I don't know if you've paid attention lately or noticed lately, people are hurting People are angry, people are lost, and friends, people are dying. And it's bad enough to die physically, but it is far, far worse for a person to die in their sins, the scripture teaches us. For what would it profit a man if he were to gain the entire world and yet forfeit his very soul? Justice we want. Justice we want. You've heard the statements, no justice, no peace. Well, what if we were able to attain to that? What if we were able to get, finally, justice for everyone and make everyone happy? We would still just as much be heading for hell. Because there is no justice, real justice, outside of God. You know why? Because it's in the hands of people. And we never get it right. Study history, any history, from anywhere. And you know what we learn from history? We don't learn from history. (laughs) We do it again and again and again, and we're horrible to one another. And we tear each other apart, and we step on people to get where we want to be. And we justify it, and we justify our own lives. But in God and in Jesus Christ, my friends... There is true, 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 true justice, love. All of the things that you know in your heart to be true and that you wish that everyone could have an experience, it's found in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Now listen, everyone ain't getting saved. We know that. 
but I'm saved. And I hope today you're saved. And if you're not saved today, I hope you get saved today so that God can put that same love and that same hope and that same truth and that transformation in your life so that everywhere you go, whatever circles you happen to be in or find yourselves in, and that you can shine that light and you can spread that salt and you can be, as the scripture says, like a city on a hill that it is impossible to hide. You don't have to preach it, people. You don't have to bang them over the head. This is a handy Bible. It's got some good weight. You know what I mean? You don't have to bang people over the head with it. Just live your life in Jesus Christ before God in heaven and people will take notice. And you know the old hymn, they will know we are Christians by our... No, no, it's political stance. It's what party you belong to. It's what groups you're affiliated with. No, no, they'll know that we're Christians by our love, by our love. I hope that you have a hunger and a deep desire inside of you when you see people who are lost and hurting and angry to reach out to them. We got a tendency and we got a way. When we see people that are involved in things or doing things that we don't think are right or we don't agree with or that we know are not right, rather than wanting to reach out to them, we want judgment for them. But that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, is it? He looked at the multitudes, the Bible said, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And that's how we ought to look at the world as well. I got way off into left field there. Um, but it's a good field though, right? Right? I just get, I get excited because the gospel is the greatest news and it's the greatest thing that's ever been in the history of the entire universe. Literally, in the history of the entire universe, there's never anything as good as it before it came about, and there ain't never going to be nothing as good as it after. It is eternal, it is forever, and it is for who? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will, not maybe, not might, not if you're lucky, not if you belong in the right party, not if you're here, not if you're there, not if you're taking... Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved. But my friends, they ain't never going to know it unless somebody tells them. And who were his hands and feet? That's you. The church, that's you. And as the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's what the gospel means. Good news. Good news. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. You see, the world was already condemned by sin. He said, but I came into the world that the world through me might be saved. We got a mission. So Abraham, okay, the father of the nation of Israel, but also the father of you and me, of everyone who believes. He's the father of those who believe and are justified not by my good works. <laughs> Can you imagine? If I had to be justified by my good deeds, my good works. You see, here's the problem. God knows my thoughts. Oh, no. God knows my dreams. Oh, no. God knows every single thing that I think, every emotion, every feeling that I have when someone cuts out in front of me in traffic. I hope your car flies into the ocean. <laughs> he knows. And yet, and yet, he loves me. 
and he's called me to something higher, and he's called me to something better, and he's made me, because of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice on the cross, he's made me a son of the promise and daughters of the promise. It's a beautiful thing. So Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob had 13 sons, one of whom was Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. You guys know that play, right? Joseph, the coat of many colors, the favorite son. And all of his brothers hated Joseph because his father, Jacob, loved him the best. You know why he loved him the best? He was the best kid. He was a great kid. He always did the right things. He was always where he was supposed to be. He made it easy. His father loved him the best. Now, you're not supposed to have a favorite, but especially back in those days, they didn't have any qualms about that at all. I don't like the rest of you. You'd say to your own children, I like this one. He's my favorite. You want to be, be in tight with me for the inheritance? Be good with this guy, because I like him. I don't really know about the rest of you. Some of you I don't care for at all, right? They were very open and honest about it. And so his brothers hated him, and they took him, and they threw him into a pit, and then they sold him to some slave traders who took him down to the nation of Egypt, and there Joseph went through trials and tribulations, the like of which you and I will probably never, ever endure. And he never lost faith, he never lost hope, and he never lost sight of the fact that he was somebody's, and that somebody had a plan for him. And so God raised Joseph up at just the right time when not only his own family, but the whole world, the whole world needed somebody to be a shining beacon of hope. And in that, Joseph was a picture for us of Jesus and a picture also of what we can be in Jesus. And so his family, Joseph was raised up to be second only to Pharaoh and he, through his, the mind that God had given him and his, his ability to manage, <clears throat> to manage uh, the entire government of Egypt, he saved not only Egypt but the known world at that time from famine. And all of his family was brought to the land of Egypt to be shepherds there, and there they grew and they multiplied. Then the Bible says that Joseph died and that Pharaoh died and a new Pharaoh came into power that knew not Joseph. And you guys know the rest. The children of Israel had grown and expanded and multiplied just as God had promised Abraham they were going to. And the Egyptians thought, these guys are so big, there's so many of them, they're going to end up being a problem to us, a snare to us. What if they join forces with our enemies? We'll be destroyed from the inside. And so they took the children of Israel and they made them slaves. For almost 400 years, they made them slaves. Until finally their bondage was so great that they cried out to God. And when God appears to Moses, he says, the cries of my children, the cries of the nation of Israel have reached my ears. And the time of deliverance is at hand. And so God sends Moses, which is a whole other backstory, right? To Egypt to deliver them. And they're brought out with a mighty hand, God's mighty hand and his outstretched arm. He brings them to Mount Sinai, Sinai where they receive the law. And from there, he takes them towards the promised land. You, you, I hope you guys are getting this. This is a picture of the Christian life. This is actual history. When little Jewish kids in Israel sit in school and learn history, they read the Bible. Because this is their history. This is not make-believe. It's not made up. This is their history. 
And yet, it's a picture of the life of every single person going from a place of sin. The Bible says we're in bondage, we're in chains, we're in darkness to sin. Being set free, being released from that bondage by the blood of Jesus Christ, brought into his marvelous light, and there he teaches us from his word, Mount Sinai spiritually, the things of God, and then begins the journey, the journey to the promised land. What's the promised land? Well, heaven, absolutely. But the promised land for you and I can also, Scripture teaches us, be attained to in this life. Because what it is, what the promised land really is, is having that relationship with God where he is the ruler over all things in my life. And that my life is lived before him in his purpose. There have been a few remarkable people in the history of the world that have attained to the promised land in this life. And you probably know some of them by name. These are the ones that God has been able to use in such a mighty way because they were given to him. And so as they're heading towards the promised land, um, we have this issue where Joseph, okay, so Jacob had the 12 sons, 13 including Joseph, and each one of them became the father of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, Joseph, while he was in Egypt, he had two sons. One, one's name was Ephraim, and the other's name was Manasseh. And they each became a half-tribe in the nation of Israel. Now, I want to read a couple of Scripture verses for you. Numbers chapter 26, verses 28 to 29, says the sons of Joseph, they were doing a census. And Numbers chapter 26 is a census of each of the, 12, of the tribes of Israel. The sons of Joseph according to their families, by Manasseh and Ephraim, were the sons of Manasseh, of Machir, the family of the Machirites, and Machir begot Gilead, of Gilead, the family of the Gileadites. And then in chapter 26 of Numbers, if you want to write this down and go back and study Numbers chapter 26 for yourself, you'll see that you have two major, major fathers of, of families within the half-tribe of Manasseh. You have Machir and you have Gilead, okay? And then after, after this verse, verses 28 and, uh, verses 28 and 29, it gives the, the genealogy or the families of Gilead, but leaves Machir alone, which is interesting. Why does God give us the detail of the Gileadites, but not of the Machirites? Well, we get a clue into that a couple of chapters later when the families of Machir, the Machirites, they're the ones, along with Reuben and Gad, who tell Moses, we want to stay on this side of the Jordan River. They didn't want to go over the Jordan River as God had told them to and inherit the land that God had told them to, that he had promised to them, that he had said, that's where I want you to be. Instead, they said to Moses, no, no, we want to stay on this side of the Jordan River and we want to inherit this land here. And so after an agreement is made with Moses, they go into the promised land to help them win over those lands for all the nation of Israel. And then afterwards, they draw back to the east side of the Jordan, and that's where they settle, okay? The half-tribe of Manasseh, it was specifically the Machirites. They're the ones that stayed on the east side of the river, while the, um, sorry, got to look at it, the Gileadites, the other half of the half-tribe of Manasseh, went over the Jordan River into their inheritance. And we have this interesting story uh, also in Numbers of this one family in particular who we're reading, reading about here, 
um, Zelophehad, he only had daughters. Now, here's the, here's the way it worked. When you go, even to this day, when most, you know, we don't have to do this anymore, but usually in the way it always used to be was when a couple got married, whose name do they take? Husband's name, right? And the way it was back in that day was you became, as a woman, when you married into a family, you became a part of that family. It's not that you didn't talk to your, uh, your former family before or anything like that, or that you weren't still close with them, but you were now a part of this family. That was your name, and all of your children were going to be a part of that name. And so this Zelophehad comes to Moses, and he says, look, all I have are daughters. Or actually, the daughters came to Moses and said, because their father had died. It was only daughters. They had four daughters, and the inheritance, they said, we're going to lose it. We're going to lose it because it's going to go to some man, and we're not going to get a share of our father's inheritance in the land on the other side of the Jordan River. And so Moses made this, you know, of course, talked to the Lord, and then he made this decree. That's not the way it's going to work. Ladies, you're going to get your father's land. He had no sons. You're going to get your father's land. You're going to inherit that land as well. And so now, fast forward to chapter 36, and the fathers of, uh, of some of, of, this, of this family come before Moses again, and they because we got another problem, and here's what it is. If they get married to someone from another tribe, you understand, then all of what belongs to them, because they're landowners, they own this land, it's going to become a part of that family's tribe now, okay? So they marry somebody outside the tribe. This is what this whole chapter is about. All of their land, all of their possession is now going to become a part of that tribe, and it'll be lost to the half-tribe of Manasseh within this family forever. Now, here's the problem with that. You know how people are, and you know there's you know, there's always somebody, I just can't, I don't have the ability to be a shyster. I got a whole bunch of, a whole separate set of issues. I'm not trying to justify myself. I'm not smart enough, right, to be a shyster. And people all the time would say to me, don't you realize what he's doing to you? Don't you understand? Like in business, especially, I, I have no, because this is the way I look at it, especially in business. If you're going to take advantage of me, if you're going to be a shyster to me, if you're going to take from me, I'm not going to hate you, right? I'm not, don't go away mad, just go away, right? That's the way I am. I'm just not going to do business with that person anymore. It is what it is. But I'm not the one who's always looking for somebody trying to get me. Like, I'm just not good like that. You know what I'm saying? My wife is much better at that than I am. I just don't have that gene or that brain tissue, whatever it is. But you know for a fact when all of this was going down with this family, with these daughters, you know somebody was watching. You know somebody was watching and going, I'm going to get that land. I'm going to get that land. I'm going to marry one of those girls. And guess what? Their land is going to be my land. Not only that, but when half of the half tribe of Manasseh didn't cross over the Jordan, it divided their forces. So now the half-half tribe became even smaller amongst the tribes of Israel. And they were much more likely to be taken advantage of and have their land taken away from them. So Moses comes up with this decree, and this is what it is. They had to marry within the family. Now, it's not an ill gross they had to marry their brothers. That's not what it is. These were big families. You know, your family reunion is nothing. It is nothing compared to these family reunions. Literally, let's say, for example, there, are, there were no Thomases within any of the tribes, okay? 
But if there was a Thomas family in one of these tribes, it could have up to 10,000 people in it. Can you imagine that family reunion? 10,000 people? You know what I mean? I don't like the family reunions with like 10 people. You know what I mean? 10,000 people. So it's not, they had options, okay? They had options. But here's what the importance is. Here's what the importance is, guys, in all of this. We're talking about property rights. We're talking about, and you got to understand too, guys, this is revolutionary. 4,000 BC and God's giving rights to women. Okay? 4,000 BC, approximately, give or take. God's given rights to women. That was unheard of. Women didn't have rights. You want rights? Get your sword and commence. Right? That's how you got rights in those days. That's how you got land in those days. It was by force. Women were taken advantage of at every turn. And there's a lot of stuff that we even read in the Old Testament. We're like, it was tough. It's in, it's in the faith in God, Jehovah, and then moving forward into the faith and the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ, that women were liberated and made completely equal. You still got to understand, 2,000 years ago, to say men and women are completely equal. 2,000 years ago. But that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says, that there is no difference other than the, 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 the obvious stuff, right? In God's eyes, in God's eyes, there is no sex. In God's eyes, there is no race. And going back to what I was talking about, to having that relationship with Jesus Christ, it changes everything. I'm not to look at people according to their sex or their race. I'm to look at people according to the eyes of God. They're a child of God. And they've either been saved and brought into the family of God, or they haven't been. Those are the two ways. But God was protecting this family and protecting their land. Um, so a couple of other things I just want to finish up with here. Okay, guys, sorry. So thank you so much for your patience. Um, we're talking about the physical. We're talking about land rights. We're talking about what God was doing here to protect their the assets that he had given him. But there's something bigger that's going on here through all of this, okay? What supersedes the land, the division of the land, the battles, the wars, all of these things is the relationship with God. It always goes back to what God is doing, what God was doing. And remember what he had told the entire nation of Israel, the land is mine. The land is mine. The people that had lived there before the Israelites, he told them, when you go in there, you are going to be my hand of judgment upon the Canaanites. He told Abraham that when he told him the sins of the Amorites hasn't yet reached its fulfillment. When it does, I'm going to send you in. And that's when the children of Israel went in. And God used them to judge the people of that land, but also that was the place where he put them where then all of his promises, not only to them, but to the entire world for all time were going to be accomplished. To this day, when we talk about prophecy, when we talk about what's happening in the world today, when is Jesus going to be coming back, I hope you're paying attention to Israel. If you don't have on your phone or on Facebook, if you're not friends with Behold Israel, it's an app, and you can friend them up on Facebook, and you can listen to Amir give his uh, updates from Israel, what's really going on in the world, because we are only given, when we watch the news, guys, you know what we see on the news every single day, right? Politics, COVID, and social uh, unrest. That's all we get. Which, pro which, which 
you know, basketball team isn't going to play this week. You know, all the, that's all we're given. Do you understand there are bigger things going on in the world, right? Besides what's going on in the U.S. of A.? The time clock is ticking. It's counting down. And at the center of it is that little nation of Israel that's no bigger than Rhode Island. It's at the center of all of it, just as God had prophesied. He said that Jerusalem would be a cup of trembling to the world. All the eyes of all the nations in all the world to this day are on the nation of Israel. They are at the center of prophecy. So when we're reading these portions of Scripture, remember that. Remember, it's not just about these people and their inheritance. It's about what God was doing <clears throat> down through the ages. All right, I'm going to, I got like, I'm like not even halfway through my message. We'll finish it up next week, all right? Because I don't want to keep you guys, because you're starting to get glossed over. I can tell. You're getting glossed over, that glazed look. I want to be a self-aware preacher, you know what I'm saying? All right, just five more points and we'll quit. No, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've done, all that you've given us, Father, in Christ Jesus, Lord, but also um, in the time and the place that we live, Father. We're so blessed, Lord, uh, beyond so many other people in the world, Lord, to, to, to just have the simple creature comforts uh, that we have in this life, Father. We're so uh, abundantly blessed by you, and we're grateful and thankful for that, Father. We pray that you would cause our hearts to be stirred up uh, Lord, to draw closer and closer and closer in, into the things of you, Father, to not be distracted in the time and the day and the age that we're living in, Father, but to remember that through everything that we see and everything that's happening, Lord God, your purposes are being fulfilled, and Father, we want to be a part of what you're doing in this world in a good way, Lord. Uh, give us the hearts of Jesus Christ, Lord, to look at people with compassion, to look at people with love, and yes, to meet their physical needs and to help people socially in this life the best we can. But Father God, that our hearts would be inclined toward telling as many about Jesus as we possibly can. That's what everybody desperately, desperately needs, Lord. They need Jesus Christ in their lives and in their hearts, Father. And we pray that you would use us to that end. Uh, Father, I pray that you would bless all of my friends here today, Father, I pray that you would watch over them and protect them. I pray, Father, that you would be, them, be with them today and throughout this week, that you would cause your face to shine upon them, Lord, that you'd be gracious to them, Father, and that you would be revealing yourself to them more and more each day, Lord. For any of them that don't know you or don't have a relationship with you through, through Christ Jesus, Father, I pray that you would introduce them into the faith, Lord. I pray that you would reveal to them your great love that you have for them, Lord, and that their hearts would be transformed by your renewing love, Lord. Help us to be the light. Help us to be the salt, to be the people you've called us to be, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now listen, we're doing a baptism. Uh, that's what this lovely family is over here for. We're going to be baptizing one of my motocross peeps today. Uh, if anybody here has not been baptized, A, B, you want to be baptized, and C, you don't mind cold water, you're welcome to join us over at the parsonage by the pool uh, where we're going to be doing this baptism. If you have not asked Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior, and you would like to do that, then let's get you saved, let's introduce you, let's bring you into the family of Christ, and then we'll baptize you too, right? Like, who cares? Clothes and all. It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. This is big, big stuff. This is important stuff. So I encourage you in that. If you haven't been baptized, come join us if you're saved. If you're not saved and you'd like to be, get saved. We'll do that first, and then we'll get baptized, all right? So love you guys. For those of you who are running out of here, have a great week.